Hello and welcome to the Albion Social, your number one podcast for all things West Bromwich Albion. My name's Brad, otherwise known as Albion Insights, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Alf from the Baggis Bible. Alf, it's been a little while since we've spoke, mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, how have you been? For first, first and foremost, how are you? How am I? Yeah, I'm glad to have finished work for the week, mate. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> about all I can say. It's Friday, so we're okay, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, got quite a busy one today for you, Alf. We've got three games to cover. Um, we've got Sunderland, Rotherham and Stoke, two away games, and also previewing Stoke from uh, Sunday's game. Yeah. So I think let's just jump right into it. Um, the away trip, Stadium of, stadium of Light, you, you, you made the trip up north. How, yeah. was it? How, how did you feel about the game in general? How did you feel that we played? How did we set up? And were we unlucky to, to come away with zero points? No. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I think we should have. We, no. we, it's probably the first time in a while that, you know, probably come away from a game thinking, yeah, deserve to lose that game. Um, yeah, I mean, I only caught the last 45, thanks to the M1. Um, it was probably about the worst away trip I've ever, <laughs> I've ever made. Um, I mean, I caught the first half on my phone, <laughs> on the coach. So, yeah, it felt, I thought we, the first half was probably okay until Maja went off. It looked like we had a bit of something going, playing off Maja. And then, obviously, Maja got injured. Um, and he brought fellows on. And it just felt like we didn't really have anything there. And we was kind of trying to play the same way as if Maggio was still on the pitch or even if BTA was up front. And it just wasn't working. And then, yeah, the second half was just... It just... It, yeah, we, it just, we just didn't turn up. I think it's just one of those games, to be honest. Well, it was back-to-back 2-1 -back losses against Leicester as well, obviously, the, um, yeah. the week before. It's the first time since April that we've lost two on the bounce. Yeah. So, it's... Quite surprising because I think that that was one of the games that we highlighted where it should have been like a statement win. Uh, yeah. After the Leicester game, we should have come back and really made that our own. But the lads just looked shattered for from from the start. Yeah. Really, I think that's probably the poorest performance yeah. that we've seen all season. I think obviously we've got Rotherham, which which we played a bit better, but obviously it was still a little bit lacklustre. But I think something I'd say would be the poorest performance so far this season. Yeah, I'd say I think you could probably argue since uh, Carlos has come in. Um, yeah, it was just a non-starter, to be honest. So it just felt like, I think it's just one of those games where you just got to chalk it down to, we just didn't show up. We just weren't good enough. And that's all it is. Um, obviously, I think it's a weird one with Sunderland because obviously they're sacked Mowbray. And uh, I feel like you go into the game and you think, you know, they're in a bit of a turmoil situation. Not massively, obviously, because they're doing all right. Um, with no manager, but I mean, the fella, the Dodds, he's obviously beat us and beat Leeds. Um, I think, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's just felt like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think, I feel like 90% of the time you come up against a team who have just set the sat man manager controversially, um, haven't got no one in. Nine percent of the time, you're gonna beat you're gonna beat them, aren't you? Because they're in disarray. But you've got you've seen you see it a few times with interim managers, caretaker managers. That sometimes they just do really well, and I think we've just we've just got caught by that because I thought they they were 
Um, they were solid, and you saw it against Leeds as well um, on Tuesday, where it was just they just seemed so solid at the back, and uh, they obviously nicked a goal similar similar to what they did against us, I'd say, just kind of without domination, just kind of nicked the first goal, and um, yeah, we just could we just couldn't find the uh, the second gear from there. I don't think. No, and I think Sunderland started the game, but the better of the two sides, really. I think the, the tone of the game was set from Palmer's sort of mistake. Um, but when it came to him, he flapped a little yeah. bit. <laughs> to, took a little bit too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously from Madras injury as well, which we obviously know is like between four to five months out now, which is a, a massive shame. Um, again, yeah. I mean, the the look that we have with our number nines, or the lack of luck, I should say, is just absolutely yeah. awful. And I really do feel for him, but I think it, it did set the tone of like sort of a rocky game for, yeah. from the start. Yeah. I don't think the, the ref didn't help at all. I don't think. I think that that was one yeah. of the worst ref performances I've seen for a while. Yeah. I think yeah. for, for both sides, what I mean, but Bellingham was nowhere near offside for, for their, <laughs> what should have been there first. He was a yard on side. <laughs> um, but Ballard should have been sent off yeah. and arrested for GBH after the game yeah. as well <laughs> for what he'd done to Magic. It was just an awful performance from the ref as well, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, but it's funny because um, while I do completely agree, you can't, we we weren't good enough anyway, do you know what I mean? So you can't put it down to the ref. But, yeah, I mean, obviously I was watching, like I said, the first half on my fold on the coach. And um, to be honest, with the Magic challenge, I didn't at the time think it was that bad. It just looked like a bit of a, I don't know, coming together as such. But then you watch it back. I mean, he's he's high, he's out of control, he's scissor motion, he's going through the back of Maja. I just don't see how, you know, how it's not a red card. And then, um, like you say, Jude, uh, Jude, Job's goal. Job's goal, that's just beggar's belief, man. I could not believe that. Because no. he's, like you say, he's well, well on side. Um, so I think you could probably, I mean, if we conceded that, I think we could have been in for a, a bit of a hiding, to be honest, going out, going from there, because it was, an, it was a fairly early goal. And obviously, like you said, this kind of set the stall out early. I think we could have got a, a bit of a hiding, man, if that, if that decision would have went correctly. I think we could have anyway, to be honest. I mean, the, yeah. Palmer and I had a bit of a shaky start, but he did pull off quite a few good saves, which did keep us in the game as well. Um, I mean, it was a relatively quiet, poor first half in general. I mean, Sunderland only had one shot on target. We had zero. Are we seeing the same sort of um, setup from Carlos where we were looking to be a second half team still? Do you think is that still the game plan from the off? It, I think so. It's got to be in it. It's got to be. You see it time and again. It can't be just what's happening like every game that we're just kind of crap in the first half and then the second half we're better. It's got it's gotta be it's gotta be fought out. I mean, yeah. It seems the way like I think you said it on the last podcast that we're kind of just trying to get through to half time and uh, going from there as such, which is I don't know. I mean this if Carlos thinks it's correct then it's correct to me, but I don't know, it's really weird. And I mean, I think you've got to factor in that the major injury 
come so late in the half. Um, and you can see, obviously, we were trying to play with and around Maja. And that was obviously the game plan. And then it's just, obviously, that throws it out. And it's another thing if you've got BTA to bring on or DK to bring on, where you can kind of play the same kind of game. You don't really have to change anything. But uh, Carlos was saying that BTA could only play 15 minutes, which obviously he did. Um, and Fellows has had to play, you know, most of the game as a striker. It's tough. It, it obviously rocks, rocks, even if, like you say, um, the game plan is to see through 12 time and then come out second half, um, maybe a bit more intense and stuff. It completely throws all that out of the window, doesn't it? Completely. And, um, completely. I think that's, I feel like that's what's happened. Not that we were, you know, that I feel like we'd have won the game um, had Major not got injured. But I think it, I think it was a big point in the game, to be honest. Yeah, I, I see that as well. I think there were moments before BTA come on. I mean, I'm not big, BTA's biggest fan at the moment, obviously, as we spoke about previously. But um, there were moments in the first half where you've seen, um, well, after Major went off, you've seen Swift, Fellows, Sarmiento and Grady all sort of, occupying the same type of areas or wanting to try and do the same thing, try and create yeah. something. But without a focal point, there's not much you can really do. No. <laughs> it's the, I mean, the only other time we played really without, without a strike this season was Preston with Wallace up top. But I think yeah. Wallace is, I would say, has a bit more physicality than someone like Tom Fellows, which is the one I think he's really lacking. And our Swift sort of played up top as well, as sort of like a false nine, but nothing just seemed to click, did it? No. Nah, Unfortunately, that's yeah, it just felt like a non starter to mm, be honest. The boys definitely. just didn't seem to turn up. It feels a bit harsh saying didn't turn up because I don't think we were like extraordinarily bad. I no, just, it, I think that's the perfect way to say it. Just we just didn't turn up. And uh, to be fair, I think sometimes you get those games. Um, and I think, like I was saying after the Leicester game, my main worry was losing the momentum. And I think you could tell. That the boys had their confidence knocked a little bit. It, it, hit, it hit them, didn't it? A little yeah, bit, I, think. I, don't, I don't think it was like they were devoid of confidence, you know what I mean? Mm. But you could tell it did knock them about a bit. Um, and I think that played a big part as well. Well, a lot of Sunderland's chances seems to come from the from the wings, especially from the right-hand side. I mean, Townsend again was sort of targeted. I, I'd say that there was across field switches, the ball's over the top. It seems like a recurring theme at the moment, and yeah. I think you have obviously Carlos sets up with Sarmiento to sort of cover and a double up on the wing with Townsend to give him a bit more support, but Sarmiento's still a bit naive in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you have someone like Phillips who's mostly quite competent defensively as well, and he does sit back and he helps Townsend a lot more, and that's why we were so compact in the first few games. Without Phillips, I think we're really starting to see the impact of that now. When we come up against these teams who have tricky wingers like Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts, when you have them one-on-one -on -one against someone like Townsend and Sarmiento, you, you can see the difference, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I think you're always going to. I think, yeah, I think Townsend has kind of lost a bit of physical physicality out of his game because um, it's like I think he's always had his his uh, you know his uh, critics uh, throughout the whole of his time here, really. But I've always thought he's a pretty competent defender. Um, playing how he does now, 
Otherwise, I thought he could hold his own. But now it feels like... I mean, he's only 30, which it feels a bit weird saying it. But it does feel like he's maybe lost half a yard of pace that he didn't have anyway. And he's lost his kind of... Um, less so strength, more like, I don't know, his agility and his balance, his ability to turn um, when he's kind of, like like you say, when you're playing against the, the Jack Clarks of the world, um, you're going to need to be turning around a lot, aren't you? And it's, it feels like he's lost that. Um, I think he's gotten lucky with the slip, to be honest. Um, but I think it feeds into that again, where you're leaving Townsend as a last man back, I think you're leaving yourself a, a bit of a disadvantage with his physical aspects. Yeah, the the second goal in general was just laughable to be honest, wasn't it? I mean, it was just a catalogue of, of errors. I mean, it was a quite a nice touch from Townsend, to be honest. I'll, yeah. I'll give him that. I mean, it was a nice touch and it's setting up nice just to give it a simple pass. Um, unfortunately, he did slip. <laughs> but, I mean, it wasn't solely his fault. I mean, there's a, there's a still frame of four Albion players back to back to back to back whilst um, Dan Neal's running through on goal. I mean, yeah. one of Furlong or Pippa had to cover that run from Neil. Yeah. I think that they would, everyone was just sort of ball watching. And yeah. again, this is similar to the goal at Leicester. I don't think we set up the best again, but with, with those sort of counter-attacking counter opportunities, that's one thing that I think we do need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, twice uh, in two games we've been bit by counter-attacks from our own corners or throw-ins. Um, it happened again at the start of the Rotherham game, which, of course, we will get on to. But it felt like, you know, are we going to learn the lesson? How many times do we have to get bit on the arse before we, you know, put two men at the back or whatever we have to do? Um, it's just frustrating. But, yeah, I think, again, it's similar to the, to the Leicester one where it is kind of a catalogue of errors. I thought, again, Palmer could have come out. Um, to at least make the make Daniel think about what he's got to do, and Daniel, you could tell, he had so much time, and he just literally just dinked it over him like, like he went there. I would, like, I really would like Palmer to be better at that. Like, I'm not saying Palmer's a bad goalkeeper. He's obviously not. He's got ten clean sheets, and he's he's a great shot stopper. But man, I, I just saw if he. But then again, if he was good at that, mate, he wouldn't be playing for us, would he? That's the that's the thing. No, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I thought Palmer could have just closed that space a little bit. Not, I'm not asking him to, you know, be Manuel Neuer or Allison and sweep it up <laughs> and knock it on his head and stuff. But just make the defender, uh, the defender, the striker, just have a think about what finish he's got to do a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Daniel had all the time in the world to just dink it over, but yeah, it's catalogue of errors again, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, we managed to pull one back um, yeah. through, through our favourite striker, BTA. Yes. Um, it was actually a really good header, I thought. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we don't really see enough from him, and it's one of those finishes where he normally struggles with. So it's not nice to see him have maybe a little bit of a confidence booster. Yeah. I think it was a really good ball by Pipper as well, to yeah. be honest. I think oh, I was quite impressed with, with the whip that he put on it. You, you don't see that from our fullbacks normally. <laughs> so, no, he no, does offer like a different dimension of player, doesn't he, Pipper? And I'm. Um, I think we're coming to that, that point of the season now where he is going to start having more time on the pitch. And I hope so because in his limited game time, he, he has impressed me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a different... Um, 
different prospects in it. Mm. I mean, against Sutherland, it looked, looked to me like he was playing fully-fledged left-winger. Um, and then again, when he came out against Rotherham, it seemed to be the same thing. Um, I mean, his effectiveness off the wing, you know, on a full-time basis, I'm not totally sure about. But, yeah, he seems like a lively player. He seems a little bit similar to Sarmiento, where he's very busy with his feet and he's looking to take men on. Um, and obviously, yeah, I mean, the, the cross he put in for BTA, it's bang on. I mean, it's a great cross. It's, it's a really good cross. And it's a cross that you're like waiting for from, you know, the the wingers, you know, from Sarmiento and Dean Garner and Fellows and Wallace. And, you know, we can go on, John Swift. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you're getting a, a, a right back or right wing back coming on on left wing and putting that ball in. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more of him, to be honest. Hmm. Well, as you said, we never really got going in the game, unfortunately, and it was definitely a fair result, I would say. I mean, it's yeah. disappointing, but one of those games, write it off and move on with the season. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think that, that uh, segues us into uh, Tuesday yes. now. Yes. Albion's second away game in four days. 2-0 uh, victory over bottom of the table, Rotherham. Um, what was Liam Richardson's first game in charge in yeah. South Yorkshire? A much needed win, but not so straightforward as you, you might have thought. Well, no, nah, I mean, the first half, first half was pretty crap, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what the deal was, but it felt like Rotherham, to be honest, with a better team in the first half, while, while not being amazing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they weren't very good at all. Um, but yeah, it was a really weird first half. Um, I thought it was a weird setup, to be honest, with kind of Malumbi in the 10. It felt like everyone was a bit disjointed, man. I mean, there was a few... I felt like we, we kept the ball quite well. Not amazingly, but it was like the uh, interplay was just really weird. It was on the right-hand side. It was like Dan Garner was the right-back. Furlong was the centre midfielder and Malumbi was the right-winger. And it was like, well, this would look really good if everyone was in their actual position. Do you know what I mean? And I was just a bit like, well, what's going on here? Um, it seemed like Fer, he wanted Furlong and Tazen to be very much inverted. Um, and for one of Yakushta and Moat to come and drop deep and get the ball. It didn't seem to work very well, I don't think. Um, because we just, yeah, it just felt like the build-up was okay. And then we kind of got to the box and it just didn't click. I mean, there was a few moments where we got a bit unlucky. Obviously, Furlong had a ricochet, then he off back onto himself from a cross and he went out for a goal kick. And you're thinking stuff like that, you know, like, you know, when's the ball going to drop? But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a tough game. I always think, like I said to you before, going away to Rotherham Tuesday night, cliche in it, but it's, it is tough. It is tough. They're going to make it tough. You know, Wallace said it in the... Uh, in his post-match interview. Um, they want to play long balls. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's going to be tough. And uh, I think we can be happy enough to have uh, come away quite comfortably with a 2-0 win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just going back to Malumbi as well. I mean, we've seen him start in a more forward role before. Yeah. And I don't think it's something that's really suited to him. Um, when you have someone like Moe, who we know can sort of play in that role a bit more progressive, obviously it's important in the build-up. But... If you want someone there to sort of replace Swift, surely Mowat's the man to go to. Um, 
Wallace actually spoke to a journalist from BBC West Midlands, as on Twitter, and apparently uh, Malumbi was told to sort of fill the Swift role, um, which I don't, I don't see where Carlos sort of, I don't see what Carlos sees in that sense. Um, for me, he, he lacks composure. He lacks a creative edge. He's not quick enough on the ball, and we, we see that in build up. Sometimes he he gets caught on the half turn. I just don't see how he's effective in in that situation. Nah, no way. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Malumbi. I really liked his stuff last season. I liked his stuff um, in the first season he was here as well. Um, well, a lot of people didn't. So it's, yeah, I feel like I, I said um, it, was in the, uh, it was in the second half when he, he sliced that volley. Um, and it was, I said, I said to my brother I was watching it with, like, there's no point having Malumbi on the pitch if he's in those areas because he's useless in those areas. Um, it's, it'd, be, it'd be the exact same as having Bartley there. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's not because I think he's bad or he's a bad player. It's because he shouldn't play there. So, yeah, it's weird to hear he, he say that about filling the Swift or that role. I would have thought the, the, the logic behind it would have been filling the Wallace role when he played up front with BTA. And uh, just being kind of like um, a good runner um, and kind of gelling the team together, um, which didn't work. <laughs> that it, that didn't come to fruition anyway, but I thought that would have been the logic behind it, not filling the Swift role. Oh, Jesus Christ, the Swift role. Tongue twister. Yeah, so that's an odd one, that is, I think. Yeah, I'll I, I just say it on Twitter. His name's um, Steve Herman. If everyone's, when he wants to go and have a look at it, but apparently Wallace said afterwards to him that um, he wanted Malumbi to fill the Swift role, and he, he did make quite a good run um, in the second half, which was similar to yeah. what Wallace Wallace might have made. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, yeah, in general, as I said, he he just just doesn't. No, <laughs> essentially, just no. <laughs> um, I think we held the majority of possession as expected, but Rotherham have won two games all season, possible 21, they've won one in the last 16. It should have been a bit of an easier game, but we didn't create anything again in the first half, similar as again against uh, Sunderland. We didn't have any shots on target. Jordan Hugo, the main man, had had the only first they've had the first and only shot on target in the first half, so it says it all, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, look, it, yeah, it was a weird one, man. It really, it really was a weird one. Um, I think, yeah, I think, like I say, I think you've just got to be happy to come away with with uh, a win, especially after the last two games. Of course, I think that's to be honest. I think that's just the main thing in this situation. Um, like I said, I don't, it's easy to underestimate going and playing at Rotherham. But I feel like, is there many games that Rotherham play at home where they're going to get tonked? And I'm just looking through, I mean, their last, the last few home games they've lost before us 2-1. Drew 1-1 to Leeds, drew 2-2, Ipswich, drew 1-1, QPR, beat Coventry 2-0. And then you got like 2-1 loss, 1-1 one, one draw, 2-1 win. So they're not, they're not, you know, pushovers at home. Um, you should beat them, but I feel like we, you know, 2-0 win, that's probably about on par. Do you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. I see what you're saying. You, 
would like to be dominating and playing fancy football and winning 5-0, but um, maybe it's just not the place to do it. Maybe the place to do it is uh, against our friends on Sunday. I don't think I'm going to stop moaning so much now because <laughs> it's all, all yeah, I've done well, is moan. <laughs> yeah, no way. But, I mean, um, I'm surprised reading out, I've literally just pulled up their fixture list, reading out those home results. It is surprising, mm. I think. I mean, oh, but both of, both of their two wins have come at home this season as well. Yeah. So I, I, I get what you're saying with that. And I think there's definitely positives to take take from that. Obviously, it's a congested fixture list at the moment. Everyone's feeling feeling the pressure of playing every, what, three, four, three, four days most of the time. It's one of those games where, as we keep saying, last season, season before, we may have drew that. Yeah. We, we may have lost that. It, it's yeah. one of those really, like, weird games. Yeah. So... I think the the biggest sort of positive for me to take from that is our centre halves. Oh. I'm so I'm so happy with Bartley and Kipper at the moment. I mean they're just yeah. absolutely immense, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, early on, I thought Hugh Gill. I mean, you can tell straight there. Jesus, I'm having a poor day today. You could tell straight away uh, that Hugh Gill was on Kipper. He didn't didn't go near Bartley because he knew well Kipper's Kipper's good in the air, but. You, you ain't winning nothing off Bartley. So straight away, he, he was on Kipre every long ball. Um, and I think, he, he, you know, he had a good little start against Kipre. But then Kipre, he wised up to it and won everything. 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 Yeah. Um, obviously, Bartley, was fun. Bartley didn't really have anything to do. Uh, because Hugo was on um, Fingy, on uh, Kipre. So Bartley was just kind of there just in case anything happened but yeah it's i think um it goes back to what we were saying i don't know a few podcasts ago about uh, when bartley got injured uh, for that one game it's such a massive thing to have a consistent partnership that is obviously playing well mm-hmm. um, they clearly understand each other i think they complement each other um i think it's it's um it's absolutely crucial yeah it, it's a really solid partnership and I think if we're going to have a good crack at the playoffs, we need to keep them both fit. <laughs> and the, and the, problem, the problem is that both of them, the past couple of seasons, have all had sort of lengthier periods out as well. Yeah. So I think we, we had that worry with Kipra, didn't we, if, like a few weeks back where we thought, oh, he's going to be like a three, four month. But luckily, <laughs> he was back within two games. I mean... Are we just waiting now for an injury to happen? Are we expecting something to happen because it's Albion? Are we waiting yeah. for like it's just something, and we have to revert to like a Joey or, or Peters again? I mean, is that the reason why our season might derail if one of them? Yeah. If yeah. So something happens to one of them. I think so. Yeah. If if yeah if yeah if we are gonna mess it all up, I think that will be the reason. To be honest, I mean, you can see. I think it's. Uh, telling that when we go 1-0 up, we don't look like conceding. And that is, I think that's what gets you promoted, to be honest, getting that first goal and then looking like we're not going to concede yet. And that's down to those two, I think. Um, I think you can give credit as well to Yukushu coming back into form. Obviously, Mowat. Um, but most of the time, those two are in front of him. Palmer's done well behind them. Um the fullbacks have been good in you know in periods, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's it's probably one of the 
one of, if not the most crucial bits of our team um, going forward into, a, you know, pushing for a playoff place, definitely. Definitely. I mean, just going back to, as you said, for the first goal there as well, um, it felt like Grady took an age to hit that shot. <laughs> I, 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 looking back at it now, obviously it wasn't, but it just felt like he was taking absolutely ages to, to hit yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, um, he had the space, he had the time at the edge of the box, there was no one really around him, he hit it low and hard. Managed to get a decent deflection on it. I think the yeah. keeper would, would have saved it without the deflection, but it, it was a goal that was needed because it sort of settled our nerves in it for, for, for the second half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, um, to be fair, it's a well-worked goal. Um, mm. I think you got the Malumbi run that you were talking about down the down the wing, and it's obviously, you know, I think it's a decent cross from Malumbi. Poor clearance, <laughs> very poor clearance from uh, there, right back, I think it was. And um, yeah, I think when you, you like, say, hit it low, hit it hard, you're gonna get your, uh, you're gonna get fortuitous sometimes, and we did. Um, and then that's all we really needed. I think it was similar to Cardiff, where it just seemed to calm us down a bit. We seemed to just keep the ball a little bit better. And um, like I say, it just um, didn't feel like we were going to concede. Um, obviously, we're playing Rotherham, who aren't the best going forward. So that comes into play. But, um, yeah, it just felt like, no, that's it now. We're going to win 1-0. And unfortunately, we'll, we won't turn up. Oh, 2-0, the second goal. Absolute yeah. cracker, wasn't it? I mean... Uh, our old <laughs> It's really nice to see, really see Jed back on the pitch, to be honest. I know oh, yeah. that we've given him a bit of stick yeah. over the course of starting this podcast, but um, he had a few good games before he limped off at Cardiff, and he continued that form, really, with one of the best free kicks that I've seen at the Albion since, since uh, Matthias Pereira days, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he pulled it out of the bag. I said, I said to my brother when I was watching it, I, it's too close. This is it's too close. <laughs> whenever, whenever a free kick's that close, I always think back to Pereira's free kick against Bristol City. Yeah, and I always think that's kind of the only way you're going to score from that close. In obviously, Wallace's was a bit more to the left, so there's a bit more of a gap. Um, and yeah, mate, he just smashed it, um, Basha off the off the bar. And yeah, I'm really happy to see Jed back. To be honest, uh, I really do feel like we've missed him. Uh, like you say, he was coming back into it, and I think since he's been out, we've kind of lost a bit of our gel. And I think when you look back, I think maybe Jed playing through the middle, even though I would say before you know the the games leading up to Cardiff, he wasn't very good. I think he was the gel to the team and our forward play. And I think you notice it when he doesn't play. Um, so, yeah, I was so happy to see him back on the pitch. And I think you could tell when he was on the pitch that we kind of, uh, there was a bit more cohesion there going forward. Yeah, I think when you look at his sort of career so far at Millwall and stuff and how he played the first couple of games with us, I think we expect maybe a bit more a bit more flair. And maybe he's not he's not that type of player, is it? He's more like a dirty work type of player. And yeah. he's, his pros, his advantage of his play are that he gels everything together like you said but he does do the dirty work very well and yeah, yeah we may have been a little bit harsh on him <laughs> at, at, at well, the start but yeah. he, he, he was performing poorly but I think like, as you said when he doesn't play you do notice it yeah yeah but I think it's the it's the classic you've got a um, 
what's, what's, the, what's the saying, man? When you you only notice it when he's gone. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what yeah. was what you needed, and um, I think and I don't want to really be. <laughs> I think he didn't see that with Swift. Just to just to drop that in there, yeah. but um, I think he did. Like, yeah, I really do think we we really missed Jed. Um, I just think he's just got the smarts um, out of mm. possession um, and in possession when he's not got the ball making runs. I just think it's 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 uh, really is the the gel that kind of holds our attack together. Mm. I'd agree with that. Well. <clears throat> Definitely wasn't a game for the history books. <laughs> I'll say that much. I mean, it was a relatively poor showing from both sides, but yeah. it was a much needed three points, really, as we go into another hard run of games with Stoke on Sunday, Borough, Norwich, and Leeds all before the new year. I mean, if we move on now onto Sunday, we welcome yeah. another side that have been somewhat um, active in the management department. <laughs> um, our old friend Stoke City. Yeah. A 1-0 loss to a relegation candidate Sheffield Wednesday spelled the end of Alex Neal's disappointing tenure at yeah. the Bet365 Stadium. They started the season promisingly, didn't they? I mean, they yeah. had a very active transfer window. They brought in some good young players. Um, what's happened, Alf? <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> I think, uh, I don't know. I think they've reverted back to type. Stoke is Stoke. Um, I don't know because obviously they did start the season well, didn't they? Um, they won the league in September, I think, similar to Blues. I think they shared shared the trophy. Um, and then since then, yeah, I mean they've been absolutely crap. I think it's probably, I mean, I know a Stoke fan, um, not a massive fan of Alex Neil, no. um, as you know most of the fan base <laughs> seem to be. Um, I think it's probably I don't I don't know because they've got a decent team. I think mostly down to Alex Neil, just poor management. I mean, I saw a few stats about his tenure when he got sacked, and some crazy stats about his his record, his record at home, and it was just absolutely abysmal. And I can't believe looking at looking at those stats that he's actually lasted this long. Um, it's a shame he could have kept him in till Sunday because you know we're probably going to get a bit on the arse so but um, yeah it's uh, I mean Stoke Stoke will always be Stoke right now yeah I mean the start of the season well with obviously the, the Beatles in the cup as well um, as, as you were referred to there <laughs> um, I mean since the 2-1 two, 2-0 two win over Borough back in October they haven't won a game in, in seven they've conceded 11 goals in the last five games so the very league is an abysmal record. But with the current squad, should they be doing better than 19th place, essentially? Yes, yes. And the, the, the answer is a resounding yes, yes, I would say. Of course it is. I mean, they, they just seem very um, naive defensively, but they're also struggling for goals at the other end of the pitch. So that there's problems in all areas, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You look at, they've got some decent centre-backs, but obviously Wilmot's injured. Which leaves Kieran Clark, which is a, a blast from the past. <laughs> um, and then not really a lot. Michael Rose at centre half, obviously played for Coventry. Um, yeah, they haven't really. Ender Stevens and uh, Keanu Hoover, who obviously is a decent player. 
I think their strength comes in their uh, centre mid options and their wide options. Um, obviously with Josh Lauren, Lewis Baker, um, Walter Berger, who's obviously um, you know a Sanderberger ripoff with uh, Daniel Johnson. I didn't know they signed. And then yeah, but they haven't got a lot of front have they? Not a lot front at all. Obviously Campbell's injured. Um, Wesley is crap. Dwight Gale is, is, is sadly crap um, nowadays. I don't know why. They've got uh, Ryan May, May. I think he's meant to be a good player, isn't he? And uh, Vidigal. Obviously, Vidigal started the season very well. He felt like he was scoring every game, and then he hasn't been starting very many games recently. So No, I mean, he's, he's a top scorer as well, but like the, I think he scored like four goals in the first four games or something yeah. like that, and he hasn't scored since September now. And, I mean, recently he's been used very sparingly off the bench as a substitute or like an unused substitute. So I think that the sold that um, the young lad as well went to the Premier League team from there. I can't remember. Just uh, like Brown, Brown went, to, went yeah. to Luton. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't prolific, but he, he did score a fair few goals for them last season. He was quite an important player. And obviously they've just lost all that firepower. I think that there's an insane stat of like, Stokes number nines over the past twenty years, not one of them's got over fifteen goals, which is just completely ridiculous. <laughs> I think I, I spoke to a Stoke, a Stoke fan on Twitter about it the other month, and yeah, it's the, the really feeling that lack of firepower, to be honest. So I, the, I think it was um, I can't remember, but yeah, twenty years since I've had someone score over fifteen goals. Jesus. So, Man. I mean, you, you also look at the other end of the picture as well. Obviously, Alex Neal got sacked and they brought in, is it uh, Paul Gallagher as the interim manager yeah. for the time being? Um, you, they, they had a, there was two, a couple of minutes away from a 1 0 win essentially over the weekend. Yeah. And you had the goalkeeper, Jack Bonham. I don't know if you've seen it, but no. he comes off of his line in the 91st minute and completely just flaps at the ball and mm. gives Darling a free header at the back post. So the Stoke fans were absolutely raging. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think it's, it's, it's that type of naivety that's really not helping them at the moment. And they don't have those options to be able to, to chop and change. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. They're the, you look at their team, I think they're lacking a bit of experience, a bit of know-how, um, especially, I mean, say at the back, but obviously Clear, uh, Kieran Clark is a experienced defender. I think that's all you can say about him. Michael Rose, Lyndon Gooch. Yeah, they, they, they've got games behind them. So but I think Stoke have had issues with goalkeepers for a long time, haven't they? Even back to when they first came down and they had Jack Butland. And obviously Butland was the next best thing, wasn't he? And he was absolutely he was terrible for Stoke in the championship. So I reckon they're just cursed, you know. They've got to be. Because, Good. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy, happy to hear it. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like you're saying about Rotherham, you should be beating them by more, or should be playing a little bit better. I think this is the game where we should be beating them by more and playing yeah. them a bit better. Uh, coming off the back of a you know what turned out to be a comfortable two 0 win, kind of getting our rhythm back, coming up against Stoke at the Hawthorns, um, no manager. Obviously, like you say, Paul Gallagher is in charge. Um, and they're obviously, like you say, their recent form is utterly terrible. 
So, yeah, I, I think this is the game where we've got a, a smasher, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I imagine there's probably going to be a slight rotation. Um, yeah. With maybe Swift coming in from Malumbi, stuff like that. But the, the core of the team will remain the same. Um, and essentially, we should be coming away with all three points. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. We should be coming away with all three points. Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, wouldn't, I can't see a lot of changes happening. Um, like you say... I think he might revert back to the BTA Wallace front two, um, pending obviously BTA has had a little knock, and I don't think he looked quite hundred percent against Rotherham. So, like you say, maybe we see Wallace up front on his own again. Um, but other than that, I feel like yeah, he, he kind of picks itself, doesn't it, at this point? Um, Definitely going from the back, obviously either through lack of options or players playing well. Um, yeah, I think yeah, this is a game where we've got to really show him who's boss and go out straight from the off. And to be honest, yeah, two three now, hopefully. Um, yeah, real confident. One of those games where you kind of get a real boost from it. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. you know you've played well. Obviously, the championships a championship, and anyone uh, can beat anyone, as anyone, we always yeah, say. A classic. So. Yeah, we'll see, but I would be expecting us to uh, comfortably be beating Stoke, to be honest. Especially at home as well, really. Yes. Well, Alf, I think that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you for sitting here and covering all three games with me. I, I appreciate it as it's always, and I've really, I've really enjoyed talking with you. Yes, as always, mate. And I'll see you next week. Yes, I'll see you. <laughs>